All right, so I'll just uh, say good evening, everyone. And we're so glad to be with you again this evening. Now, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that Kevin spoke about the importance of Jesus' own resurrection. And he took us through the logic, which led to the inevitable conclusion that there's no doubt whatsoever that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And ultimately, we finished off in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which is the Bible's chapter on resurrection. And I encourage you to go read 1 Corinthians 15 after the webinar tonight. And in, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul is countering the idea that some held to that there was no such thing as a resurrection, that it was impossible. And Paul just doesn't hold back at all. He says it straight. He says, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. So basically, the Apostle Paul is saying is if there's no resurrection, then our entire belief system is pointless. And, and in the chapter, he says, if the dead don't rise, then first of all, Christ is still dead. And second of all, there's no hope for any of us because we'll all remain in the grave. And, and so the conclusion is, is that this resurrection of the dead is one of the key doctrines of the Bible. And yet, when you think about it, for many Christians, this doctrine takes a, a back seat. Um, it's a hope that's maybe seldom mentioned, maybe deemed unimportant. We hear an awful lot about heaven going. So maybe a question to ponder in the back of your own mind is, how much of your personal belief is dependent on the resurrection of the dead? And tonight, we're going to put the spotlight on this incredibly important topic. And we're going to look at it, especially, of course, in the context of Bible prophecy. We could talk about examples of resurrection in the past. And we did that last week. We looked at the resurrections. But because this is our prophecy section, our focus is going to be on the day of resurrection. That day in the not-so-far-off future, when those that are, are dead in the graves will be raised back to life. And uh, I think it's been a few weeks since I've highlighted the subtitle on this, on this weekly slide, that prophecy is all about God revealing his purpose. And, and that's what God is doing. He's, he's telling us what he's going to accomplish. And this topic of the resurrection is just one more step in the plan that God has to fill the earth with his glory. And it's a, a process that we're highlighting in, in five stages. So um, last week we looked at Christ's return. And this week, we're going to look at the resurrection. The very first event that's going to happen at the moment that Christ returns to the earth. And I want you to try to remember back when we were looking at the promises made to Abraham. Remember that God promised Abraham that he would inherit all the land of Canaan. And yet, he died having never received that promise. And yet, he didn't give up hope. He believed that God would keep that promise. And we found the explanation in Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there's all these faithful men, including Abraham, and it says that they, they died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off in the future, but they embraced them. They really believed that it was still going to happen. And uh, the last verse of that chapter told us that God did that. He didn't give them the promise because he had some better thing for you and I that they would receive their promise at the same time as us. And the lesson of that is that 
all the righteous men of the Bible will receive their reward at the same time as the righteous living today. And of course, what does that need? That necessitates a, a resurrection from the dead. And I thought it would be really important to show you that this has been the hope of faithful men and women throughout the, the whole Bible. And I've compiled a really short list of some of the men and women who expressed this hope uh, very clearly. And the first two you'll remember from our earlier sessions. The, the one is Abraham. We just talked about that, how Abraham believed in the resurrection because he believed that God would still give him the land, even though as he was getting older and older, he didn't have it. He knew it was a promise of the future. But he also showed that he believed in the resurrection when he offered Isaac his son. And Hebrews 11, that same chapter, says that Abraham believed God could raise Isaac from the dead. And we looked at David, and he believed in the resurrection because God told him that one of his descendants would sit on his throne and reign forever. And notice the wording there that it would be established before him. In other words, that he would be there to see it. He would see his son as king over the earth and, and live forever. So he, he believed in the resurrection. Here's Job. This is a verse we haven't looked at. I think Job's probably the greatest example of suffering in the entire Bible. And did Job lose faith when these things happened to him? No, he, he trusted. And what did Job trust in? Well, look what he says here. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. That's his belief in, in Jesus, even if he didn't know his name. And he believed that he would be there, he says. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. And, and there's Job. And that belief in the resurrection made the sufferings that he was going through all that much more bearable. And we've got examples of, of women in the, the New Testament. Martha is the brother of Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, you might know that her brother dies. And he's been in the grave for four days. And, and Jesus finally comes to her house and, and says to her, do you believe in the resurrection? Because he intends to raise Lazarus from the dead that very day. But look at what Martha says to him. She says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That was the hope for her brother, that he, he would be raised again and be a partaker of the promises that were made to men like Abraham. Um, little did she know that Jesus would choose to raise her brother that day to prove that he had the power to raise people from the dead. And finally, the example of the Apostle Paul. And what I like about this verse is that the Apostle Paul says that his entire goal was that he would attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He says, I've, I've gone through the sufferings of Christ, and I hope that I will uh, experience the resurrection just as Jesus did too. And uh, his hope was that he would be there in the day of resurrection with all the faithful men of other ages, like Abraham, David, and Job, and uh, Lazarus ultimately too. So let's dig in deeper and see what the Bible tells us about this hope of faithful men of the Bible. You might remember last week we, we broke the subject of Christ's return down into these five W's that Mike introduced us to. And I thought we should make use of them again tonight because it's a quick way to go through a topic. So what is the resurrection? Who is going to be raised? What takes? How will they be raised? And ultimately, why? What, what is the purpose of a resurrection? And of course, we're going to alter those questions slightly in, in their order 
And we're going to start with, well, what, what exactly is resurrection? How is it going to happen? And uh, as we progress through these questions, it's very nice. Daniel chapter 12, we actually have a section of scripture that gives us most of those answers in just a couple of verses. So let me read for you Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, which have a clear reference to the resurrection. It says, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting tempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now I said that this verse clearly references the resurrection, and I, and I guess I say clearly, but you have to have an understanding of, of biblical language because what he's referring to here in sleep is what it's like to be dead. Because the dead, according to the Bible, are unconscious. They're unaware of what's happening around them. If, if, if we go to sleep, time goes fast, doesn't it? We wake up hours later, and it just seems like it was a moment. And Daniel is being told that one day, those that are asleep in the ground will be raised, and a number of things are going to happen. But the first question, of course, is, well, what, what is resurrection? And uh, the key phrase I want to highlight is that those who are asleep are in the dust of the earth. And uh, there's an echo here, isn't there? Where have we heard of dust before? And we think all the way back to Genesis in the formation of Adam from the dust of the ground. And uh, there's actually a verse that talks about what would happen to Adam and Eve if they sinned. And they're told, of course, that they're going to die. And look at this description of death in Genesis 3, verse 19. It says, um, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Adam was formed out of the dust, and God made him live by breathing life into him. And death is exactly the opposite. When we, when we die, we stop breathing and our bodies go back into dust. We're unconscious. So you've got here two options. We're either a living person or we return to the dust. And in creation, I probably should have made that arrow a little bit better, but it's going there to the left. In creation, God took dust and made a living person. In death, that living person goes back to the dust. And what is resurrection? Well, it's, it's the opposite again where we're once again raised from the dust, as we're told here in Daniel chapter 12, and we're made a living person again. And, and that's a really simple answer of what resurrection is. It's, it's only by the power of God that that is possible. But God is going to reform our bodies from the dust of the ground, and he's going to make us living again. And think about what that means, that all those who are dead are unconscious of what's going around. For Abraham, that 4,000 years of waiting for his reward will just seem like no time at all. Like he went to sleep and he, he woke up. And think of how wonderfully um, great that is, that he's going to receive his reward at the same time as us, but for him, it would seem like no time at all. So that's, I guess, in a, in a simple form, what resurrection is and how it's going to happen. We could go into much more on that, but why? are we going to be raised? Why does God want to raise us from the dead? Well, 
Daniel 12 gives us the answer. He says, God is going to raise people to give them a reward according to the way that they lived their life. And some will awake to everlasting life and some to a much less happy outcome to shame and everlasting contempt. Others will suffer, suffer the shame of, of rejection. And uh, Jesus describes the same thing in John chapter 5. This isn't an isolated verse from Daniel. Uh, look at the consistency of the message. Uh, Jesus says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto resurrection of life, the same reward that's mentioned in Daniel 12, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation or punishment, it says. And uh, those verses are consistent. There's men and women sleeping in the grave. They're awakened by Christ when he returns. And they're given a reward according to how they lived their life, whether it's a, a reward of eternal life or a reward of, of punishment. And you can see here, as, as you go through what we're going to talk about in our, in our next week, that there's the need for a judgment. How are you going to decide who receives the reward? Well, the very next event that's going to take place when Christ returns after he raises the dead, and next week's topic is going to be the judgment that's required. Well, the next question is, is who is going to be resurrected? And I like this because every word in the Bible is important. And there's a good example of that here in Daniel chapter 12. It says, many of them that sleep, many as in not all. And have you ever wondered how it would be that if everybody who ever lived was raised, imagine the vast number of people that would suddenly be alive on the earth. But the Bible tells us that Many, in other words, not all will be raised. And the great majority of those that have lived won't be raised from the dead. And, and Isaiah talks about this group of people. Look what it says here in Isaiah chapter 26. Um, they are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. And the context is of, of those that had dominion over the nation of Israel from time to time. They're nations that didn't know God, uh, people that God doesn't need to judge. So in other words, God is going to raise those people who he either wishes to reward or those he wishes to condemn, to use as an example of the results of rejecting his ways. And there's going to be a great number of people that God doesn't want to do either of those things to. And they're the ones that are going to remain in the grave. And we're going to look at this a bit more detail in, in our class next week as we look at what the judgment day is all about. But you can see how the purpose of resurrection goes hand in hand with the need for judgment. So the, the biggest question is, well, when is this going to happen? It's always the most exciting of these questions as we we look for change to take place on, on the earth. Well, I've added a verse to get to that in Daniel. I put in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12, ahead of the ones we looked at. And look what it says. It says, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And so in a way, Daniel even gives us the answer of when in the sense that he says there's a specific day. 
And it comes after a time of trouble. Do you remember in, in Luke 21 that the exact same description is given us of the time when Christ is going to return? In Luke 21, it says, when you see trouble happening, well, then lift up your heads and, and look up because you're going to see the return of Christ. And, and this is what Martha believed. She said, you know, I know there's going to be a resurrection at the last day. There's a specific day of resurrection. We're not talking about resurrection of, of an individual like Lazarus. We're talking about the day of resurrection. And in, in 1 Thessalonians, another of Paul's letters to the churches that he wrote to, he describes it as being linked with the return of Christ. It says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump or the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So you see that the resurrection is linked with the return of Christ. And you might wonder, well, why is there a shout and a, a voice, a loud voice of an archangel or the, the blowing of a trumpet? Well, those are all symbols that would awake those that are sleeping in the, in the grave. So as it were, it's to awake those that are dead in the grave. And so ultimately, I, I can't tell you exactly the day or the hour when the resurrection is going to take place. But we know it's going to occur when Christ returns. And for that reason, we believe and are confident that it's going to be very soon. So what, uh, what can we say to these questions that we ask about all the topics in the Bible? Well, who's going to be raised? Well, God is going to raise those that he wants to judge, that he wants to reward either positively or negatively. Uh, hopefully, those that are, are, are raised and judged will be given eternal life. But the wicked, of course, will be um, suffer condemnation. And what is the resurrection? Well, it's a waking from sleep of those that are dead in the grave. Where's it going to happen? Well, it's going to happen all over, wherever people are are put to rest in the grave. It's, it's, they're going to be raised up from, from the dust. And it's going to happen by the power of God. We didn't get into those details, but God's going to breathe life back into the dust and make people to live again by his power. And why is he going to raise people from the dead? Well, he's going to raise them to judge them so that he can give them a reward. And when is it going to happen? It's going to happen when Christ returns. It's going to be the very first thing that happens after the return of Christ. And so I can add here that it's going to happen very soon. And it's our hope that we can help prepare you so that you're ready for the return of Christ. Because ultimately, when we look at the scriptures and Bible prophecy, there's every evidence that it's going to be uh, very soon. And so I'll just tease you with uh, next week, as we've already told you, we're, we're going to take the next step and we're going to look at how God is going to judge those that have been resurrected and those that have been called away to the judgment when his son returns. And ultimately, we're going to get to Armageddon, which anyone who's interested in Bible prophecy won't want to miss. And most importantly, in our, in our fifth session on this topic, we're going to get to the establishment of a kingdom on earth that's going to last for a thousand years under the direction of Jesus Christ who has returned and under the direction of faithful men and women that have passed through the judgment and have been given eternal life. Men like Abraham and David 
and all those men that were hoping for the, for the hope of the resurrection and who are hoping to receive that reward that they've been promised but never received and are hoping to receive it along with others uh, who are waiting and watching for the return of Christ. Okay, so we went fairly quickly, but we, we hope you'll continue on with us next week. And I'm going to pass over the control to Kevin, who's going to talk to us about um, reading, but not the resurrection. He's going to talk to us about immortality. Okay, thank you very much, uh, uh, Dan. Hopefully everyone can see my screen. Uh, Dan, please interrupt me if you, something goes. I'm gonna try something a little different as well tonight. Um, so I'm gonna control uh, the slide uh, deck at this point uh, from uh, Dan, and uh, we're gonna jump into a, a, an online program as well. So thank you very much, Dan. You really actually dovetailed, it is, it's a very nicely in terms of connecting what we wanted to both speak about tonight. Um, the topic I wanted to look into with respect to reading of the scriptures is to do with immortality. Um, it's something that uh, when we think in terms of uh, ourselves and the resurrection, of course, our, our goal, and as, as Paul said was his goal, and the, really the, what re the resurrection of what Christianity hangs upon is, of course, this idea of being raised from the dead and granted immortality. Um, so we have in the, the same verse, I, I thought I'd pull up the same one that you touched on with Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 to 3, that talks about the idea that, that many would dust, sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, um, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so this idea of, of immortality is, is, is the goal in terms of, of being uh, raised from uh, the dead. Uh, so we really have in, in a simple definition, we think of something of, of what does it mean to be immortal or have immortality, uh, the ability to, to live forever, e eternal life is, a, is another way to, to phrase it. And of course, as Daniel made reference to of the idea of, of everlasting life. And I thought it would be interesting in our brief time together. And uh, often a lot of these things, I think we find that where we really could spend a lot more time than really what we have uh, allocated in terms of trying to cram in and maybe about a 15 minute block. So I thought I'd try to keep it fairly uh, simple this evening and just saying, let's look at what the Bible does say about immortality. Um, and I'm going to also open an opportunity to, to take a look at a, at, a, at a Bible program, an online program that, that I've used uh, to help me be able to find verses and find things in the Bible. So I'm going to try and do a, a share. Hopefully this is going to uh, work out okay. Um, and make sure, hopefully everyone is now seeing something called uh, Bible Gateway. Um, it's a free online program. I just type in Bible, uh, BibleGateway.com and it pops up. Uh, the reason I like this, if I'm uh, doing some kind of, of Bible study and doing some uh, looking up some things, I can type in a chapter of the Bible. Uh, so I've typed in, uh, Dan mentioned about reading 1 Corinthians 15. So I can take a look and there it has 1 Corinthians 15 and it has the entire chapter there for me and I can read it through. The thing I also like about this site and uh, others I'm sure and I was going to say in the chat window feel free if you have other sites that you use that are uh, freely available that might be of interest for people uh, please be willing to I'd be happy to have you share them 
and uh, uh, in the chat window, let people know. But this one also allows you to take a look at all the various different versions. If you would like to look at, well, what does it look like in the English Standard uh, Version or in the Amplified Bible, the New King James Version, et cetera, the New International Version, they're all covered um, in this here. And you can take a look at those various different verses and chapters uh, of the Bible. So for us, though, one of the things I like about this part is if I want to be able to find something in the Bible and I'm not quite sure where it might be uh, or there's some, or maybe a key word that I'm looking for. So one of the things that I always thought was like a phrase, like love your neighbor. So if I type in love your neighbor, I always find, well, okay, that's interesting. What would that come up and, and get me to find? Well, it actually says in terms of the King James Version, it really doesn't have a lot of, of passages, it says, which is kind of seems a bit strange. Um, hmm. You would think there's a lot more about talking about love your neighbor with that. But that's what's tricky about these uh, online, where they take it very literally. So one of the things I've learned to discover is watching out for maybe words that are very generic. So it's finding all the verses that has the word love and your and neighbor. But if we're losing the King James Version, it's actually love thy neighbor. Um, so if I just do love and neighbor, it'll actually now come back and take me through 13 different Bible results. And now I start getting passages that maybe I'm a little bit more familiar with. Leviticus 19, you know, thou shalt love your neighbor or love thy neighbor as thyself. And of course, down and through with the Lord Jesus as well about love thy neighbor, as he mentions in Matthew a number of times. So that's what's kind of nice about uh, these Bible search programs is, as Mike's talked about in Bible reading, we like to look for various different uh, tools. And this is one of them that can be very helpful uh, when we want to look for things. So let's go back to then to the topic at hand. And that's the one immortality. Now, what's interesting when I type this one, I'm thinking about it as I go to immortal. First off, I need to spell it correctly. That's always helpful. When you get to immortal, it could be, what if the Bible verse has immortal or immortality, but it might, I'd be interested in maybe both of those. You can actually use what they call a wild card, a little star that basically says it will now search for all the Bible verses in the King James that have the word immortal and then something else after. So it could include immortal, but it could include something like immortality. So if I do a search of that, it comes up and finds and tells me there are actually six different verses that have the word uh, for immortal or immortality. And I can scroll those down through. And the reason I wanted to pick this tonight is because we have very limited time. Uh, if I was to do something like resurrection, there's an awful lot more verses that would be, that would be covered and that would be a little bit more challenging uh, to, to do a, a really a brief study of that. So I've got the six here and I'm going to switch back over now to the um, PowerPoint because I have uh, summarized um, there the six verses. Oops. And there they are. Uh, so this is what I've copied from the Bible Gateway program. And as I say, there's some other programs that might as well also help you to find them. And it lists for me the verses where the word immortal or immortality occurs. So this maybe helps me get a little bit of an idea. Okay, what is the Bible talking about when they, when they reference and speak of immortal or immortality? Well, let's take a look at uh, 
the first two that are in Timothy. Uh, this is Paul's letter to Timothy, his, uh, his first letter. And in chapter 1, it says that uh, Paul writes in verse 17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he writes in chapter 6 and verse 16, Who, God alone, has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So one of the things that uh, we're reading right now and then sort of trying to think of our lessons, we, we ponder what are these verses telling us and with respect to immortal. Well, and what we, we really are seeing is that it is only God is the one that is, has always been immortal. He's always lived and will always live. So Paul is very clearly laying out for us that God alone has immortality and has always had immortality. Uh, so we, we see that to start with. So that gives us a little bit of a, 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 an understanding of scriptural uh, teaching on the, on the subject. And we jump to uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, and it's uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And he writes there, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, so now we, we ponder this. So Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So what we're seeing and what Paul is talking to us about is the fact that, that immortality, there was no immortality for man before Jesus came. He's, he's brought it to life. Our, our immor hope of immortality is dependent on this victory, as we've looked at last week, and Dan's talked about with the resurrection. It's the, it's the dependence. If Christ is not raised, then we will not be raised. Our faith will be in vain uh, with that. So our, our hope for immortality is dependent upon the victory of Jesus Christ over sin. So only since his, his resurrection to everlasting life has this now become possible. Immortality has been brought to life for us uh, by the appearing of our Savior. And so when we, we see that when Jesus returns, uh, immortality is, it will be a possibility. It, it, it's not something that's been built into us. It's not something that we currently possess. It's not something that, we, we've had, that, that man has had in the past. Uh, it is something that has now come through light through the gospel, and Jesus Christ will bring uh, with him in the resurrection. And this passage in Romans, we're going to jump to the, to the one in Romans, because I think it really tells us a, another interesting part of the scriptural teaching when we look at this idea of immortality. So Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, eternal life, he talks to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Now, there's, there's a number of things we could really focus on in, the, in this verse, but we want to just really touch upon this aspect of, of immortality and the fact that we need to seek for it. And that really does emphasize and, and really reiterate what we just talked about, the fact that, that immortality is not something that we currently have. It's something we need to seek for. We, we need to seek for that. If we, we have to seek for it, it can't already be within us. It can't be something that we already uh, possess. And so, in fact, we're, we're re being told that we need to seek. We need to seek for glory, for honor, for immortality. And, of course, that being at the, at the, the resurrection. 
And so then this really ties in very nicely to the theme that what Dan has been talking about, what we touched on last week as well with the resurrection. So here's our chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, that uh, Dan mentioned earlier tonight is really a, the key uh, chapter, an excellent chapter to read about the, the whole aspect of resurrection. Paul touches on at the end of, towards the end of the chapter, verses 53 and 54, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Well, again, amazing that we, we see this reiterate again, that we are indeed mortal. We are destined to die. We will, we, ones that we need to put on immortality. And when was that, of course, happening? Is that when this corruptible is put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And so this, this change is needed from us. And of course, this change, as the whole chapter focuses on, is this change is to happen in the resurrection. That that is the time when the mortal will put on immortality and death is swallowed up in victory. What, what I love then, this was the opportunity this Bible Gateway showed us just a few of the verses. We looked at something very simple, the idea of immortal or immortality, and we can very easily look at a number of passages that help us to understand what Bible, uh, the Bible is teaching and telling us about this topic. So just in, in, in a bit of summary, very quick uh, tonight, but very uh, hopefully uh, uh, something to consider and ponder uh, in terms of a, of a topic that, that many in the world speak about wanting to have, this idea of searching for this immortality and so on. And the Bible's telling us, there it is. You, this is how you can find it. And God alone then, as we're told, is alone has been, has been and will be and has always been immortal. And it is Christ that has brought this immortality to light through the gospel, and it will be given at his appearing, at the time when he returns, at the time of, his re of the resurrection of the dead. And that we have to seek for this immortality. It's not currently something we possess. And we indeed, as mortal now, must at some point at the, at the resurrection, if we are some of those, as Daniel said, are raised to everlasting life, uh, then we will then at that point put on immortality and we will indeed become immortal. So thank you very much. A very quick uh, summary of things. Um, as Dan said then, a reminder, of course, we, we really have this aspect uh, of the fact that uh, uh, you can go come back and look through these slides, look through these verses. We'd encourage you to do that. And as we sort of said about uh, and what uh, kind of ties in with Dan and tonight is, when is this to happen? And Jesus said, everyone who, who's, who sees the Son and believes in him shall have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day, at the, the day of his return. The Apostle Paul writes, we touched on these verses last week, uh, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ the first fruits, and afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. And that is ultimately then when we will have this opportunity for immortality. And as uh, Paul ends and as the chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 ends, thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you again for joining us tonight. Um, 
just wanted to mention uh, before we conclude and we can take a peek at the chat uh, window to see if there are any questions. Dan and I will be happy to, to stay on and uh, discuss anything further. But next week, Dan is going to be continuing as he touched on, on with Bible prophecy uh, about point when God has appointed a day to judge the world in righteousness. We've kind of Again, done a bit of a foretaste and touched upon that. And then under the getting your to know your Bible uh, section, we're going to be taking a look uh, at, I think, another important topic in terms of our life as a disciple, the effectiveness of prayer. So that's our for next week. A reminder of uh, the various different ways to either uh, look and listen to the uh, past recordings, um, to also be able to reach out if you have questions or comments uh, through our Facebook, through our Instagram, through the website, through email, uh, lots of different ways to connect with us um, nowadays. So.